0: Denise, and welcome to the Bookstash, a podcast where I chat with fantasy author Ash Oldfield about reading, writing, and everything in between. Hi, Ash. Hello. We're back on fiction again this episode, aren't we?
1: You're trying not to say so, Ash. What have you been reading this week, aren't you? I can see the look in your face. You're trying to think of a way around it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to keep things fresh.
0: So tell us about what you've been reading.
1: So I recently went to a video game convention. So it was a three-day event. I was staying at an Airbnb for two nights and I read two of the books during that time uh, that was at the Airbnb we stayed at. So they were like someone else's books and I had to finish them before I went home. So I was very motivated to read them.
0: And there are some photos of us at PAX on our Instagram. Yes, there are, a bit, but, but not, not the, the books ago.
1: because I do not take other people's books outside of their apartment because I'm <laughs> respectful. So I read Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck as one of those books. It's a novella. So it's, um, it's only like 30,000 words or something. So it's Don't quote me on that. Um, But it was a quite easy read. So, yeah, Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck.
0: Nice, Of Mice and Men. So what did you learn from the book, Ash?
1: Well, I got into it knowing nothing about it. I've never read anything by John Steinbeck. Mm -hmm. I did not know what to expect. Um, And so just a little bit of background information of Of Mice and Men. It's set during the Great Depression during a time when uh, it was a very – ruthless world. People couldn't get work very easily. So men tended to travel solo for work. They'd go from farm to farm to farm to farm in the hope of getting work. Uh, So, yeah, it was a very lonely time, lots of cruelty, lots of want and need as well as exploitation.
0: Do you know what year the book was set in?
1: Nope. (laughs) 1920s is the Great Depression. Yeah. I know that. Oh, because you know I'm terrible with dates. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> well, I'm assuming it was during the 1920s. Okay. Um, so this character, George, travels with a guy called Lenny, who's like a big, friendly, giant-type character, um, really unintellectual. Unintelligent? Unintelligent? But really strong. And everybody finds this friendship that they have really bizarre because nobody else travels with a friend. So, there are actually lots of themes in this book. I think it was the last podcast episode where we talked about James A. Caster's classic scrapes that I was saying you don't need to have, you don't need to start by thinking about a theme. But actually, in Of Mice and Men, I guess because it's studied so much in school, there's heaps of information online about themes in it. So, the first theme is, which I've said a couple of times, is loneliness. So there's a line here from the book that says, a guy goes nuts if he ain't got nobody. Don't make any difference who the guy is, longs he's with you. So there's also a voice in there. If you notice, I had very bad grammar with that and that's part of the voice. So um, there's lots of people who are really lonely in this book. For example, there's a newlywed woman who sort of left at home all day and so she pursues all the men on the ranch because she's lonely and she wants their attention. So along with that theme of loneliness and that newlywed, there's uh, racial separation. So there's an African American guy called Crooks, and he he's not allowed in the communal barracks because of the color of his skin. Um, so even though this is post-slavery, it's still a time of really deep racism in America. So he's because he's not allowed to sleep where all the other guys sleep. He's in his own little room, because of that, he doesn't let anyone else into his room because he's like, well, you don't let me in your place, I won't let you in my place. So there's that racial separation there. Um, there's also a huge sense of powerlessness in here. So, social powerlessness, economic and intellectual powerlessness as well. So, if you were, um, so. George in this book is a very smart guy, but there's nothing he can do with that intelligence because there's just no work. He has to do ranch work. Um, There's a lot of unrealized dreams. Everybody in the book wants that great American dream of owning their own land. And as um, Lenny says, living off the fat of the land, that's what they want to do. And they can't do that. So that just increases their loneliness and they realise their isolation so much more. Um, There's also that sense of fate, so fate kind of has dictated their course in life.
0: It's interesting, actually, because the uh, that period in time, the 1910s, 1920s, even maybe 1900s, that transitional time, that's when, like, lots of mass production and societal mm. change, so a big change in the way the world works, and a lot of people were kind of
1: Messed up in the process. Yeah, I, I think overall for humanity, it helped a lot, but not if you were around at that time. Mm. And that's where that exploitation comes Absolutely. into human. Human life was cheap because it was all in the name of progress. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, that that comes in a lot. So the themes, just a quick summary. There was I kept bringing it back to loneliness, but there were quite a few separate themes. So loneliness, racial separation, unrealized dreams, powerlessness. Um. I also kind of talked about oppression in there as well and fate. So lots of themes there if you're taking a, you know, a VC literature (laughs) literature course on it. This
0: is your, instead of studying the book.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Now I also wanted to talk about the writing style because I've never seen anything like this. Uh, John Steinbeck deliberately wrote it as what's called a play novella. So you can read it as a play or you can read it as a narrative. So if you wanted to, you could go act it out tomorrow. Yep. So there are three acts, um, two chapters each, beginning where like any play where they set up the scene. So like who's there, what what's going on, like the actual setting. So they're in a barn, there are stacks of hay, the uh, pale afternoon sunlight yep. comes in. Um, so, yeah, they actually deliberately set up the setting and then – enter into the scene. So yeah, it's a really unusual technique where it is also, it's just written as a narrative. There's no like lines, like a play, like Shakespeare, you know, has the uh, the names of the characters and then their dialogue. There's nothing like that, but you could read it as a yeah, play. Yeah.
0: I think that's similar with uh, Death of a Salesman, which I know is in your pile.
1: I haven't read that though. Yeah. yeah.
0: That does a similar thing. It's, a play. it's actually a play.
1: Oh, okay. Well, this is not a play. This is called a play narrative.
0: Right. Okay. Um,
1: so, yeah, it's really unusual technique, but it does work really, really yeah. well. So, yeah, the writing style really struck me um, and I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, as far as writing technique goes, it was also really clever where Lenny and George start at this, like, a forest clearing And then the story kind of goes and then circles back and they end up back at the forest clearing for the same reason they were there in the first place, but you didn't know why they were there originally. Ah. And now it's sort of events have kind of repeated themselves and you find out all this stuff about the characters and then they're back at the forest clearing, um, for the exact same mishaps, I suppose you could say. Mm -hmm. So that's circling back on itself. Um, that was a really, really cool way to do it. And you understand so much more. So, this time when you're on the, in the, they're back in the forest clearing, you understand so much more. And it's just a really cool way of tying the whole story back together. So, yeah, a really cool technique as well as writing style. And then John Steinbeck uses language so well. Mm. Uh, I've talked about in the past where if you've got characters, um, you can give them an accent, but you can't do. R- write the full dialogue in the accent because then you can't understand what they're saying and Steinbeck just nails that
0: he just strikes that balance hey. yeah
1: so everything's written in an accent but in a way that's like you said balanced you can understand everything everybody's mm-hmm. saying you don't feel like like I never had to reread diet lines of dialogue and that's really unusual when it, it's heavily accented um So definitely if you're wanting to include accents or slang or whatever in your book, Of Mice and Men is one to read and just take note of how Steinbeck uses his language with this to set up the character.
0: So one thing I do know is um, John Steinbeck obviously wrote this book in the 1930s, and okay. he, uh, I think I'm pretty sure he based it. I just did a quick Google in my in the background right now
1: <laughs> while I was giving you interesting, was facts. Giving me interesting facts.
0: Interesting facts, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just noticed that he he apparently wrote the story based on an experience he had as a, oh, in the 1910s as a younger man working alongside people in a sort of similar situation. Oh, so to the he story. was a rancher, was he? Yeah. Ah,
1: that's really cool. I did not know that.
0: Yeah, so I think it's interesting. Uh, it comes back to a tip we had last time about writing what you know or writing what you do, mm. and I think that's definitely something uh yeah, I believe he was working alongside uh, like migrant workers.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. um the reason we just paused awkwardly there, it may seem a bit jumpy. Oh, no,
0: I'm going to make it sound so natural.
1: I oh know. I was just going to say, we have an annoying cat. Like, uh, There's there's nothing to be ashamed of. We yeah. have an annoying cat. He does like to meow in the background. Sometimes we have to pause in weird places and it gets awkward and we forget what we were talking about. It's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he doesn't do it once we pause because I think he just thinks he's part of the conversation. So, I mean, I don't know. What can you do?
0: It's impossible. <laughs> All right, so what are we up to? Writing tip. All right, Ash, what writing tips have
1: you got for us this time? I wanted to keep it topical. So ages ago in June, I posted on my Instagram, just by happy coincidence, six writing tips from John Steinbeck. So I wanted to read them because I thought, well... I'm talking about, it, and I never read any John Steinbeck. So the first tip is to abandon the idea that you are ever going to finish. So what that means is lose track of the fact that you have to write 400 pages, and just focus on what you're doing here and now. Your one page a day, or a thousand words a day, or whatever. So break it up into that small, manageable chunks. Um, then when it gets finished, you're always surprised, and I'm always surprised when I finish my book. Always, I'm always like, oh. That's another novel finished. And because that's what I do, I break my writing up into small chunks. Um so yeah, those smaller goals. Now, writing tip number 2 from John Steinbeck is to write freely and as rapidly as possible and throw the whole thing on paper. Don't correct what you're doing. Don't rewrite it. Just get it all down. Uh, Rewriting as you go slows you down and it's actually often your excuse for not continuing. Mm. Like, I'm not going to keep going with this story. I need to get it perfect. I need to get it perfect. No, that interferes with the flow and the rhythm and you can't get that flow and rhythm by force. It has to occur naturally. So yeah, just get it down as as rapidly as possible. I think it was John... Stephen King, who said that you shouldn't take more than six weeks to write a first draft. Mm. Um, If you're spending longer than that, the book's probably no good. Uh, Writing tip number three, forget your generalised audience. So in the first place, the nameless, faceless audience will scare you to death. And in the second place, unlike the theatre, it doesn't actually exist. There's no audience there while you're writing. So in writing, your audience is one single reader. So sometimes it helps to pick out one person. Uh, Again, with Stephen King, he writes for his wife. That's his audience that he has in mind. Uh, It can be an imagined person as well that you're writing for. So write for one person, not a generalised audience. The fourth tip is if a scene or a section... um, Gets the better of you, and you still think you want it, bypass it and go on. Uh, When you've finished the whole, you can come back to it, and you may find that the reason it gave you trouble is because it doesn't actually belong there. So Ah. don't force it. And I, when I'm, especially with the first draft, when I'm really stuck on a scene, I'll put in square brackets like describe this or rewrite later or something vague like that, and I'll come back to it. And when I come back to it and I've seen the whole of the story, it is easier to 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 write. Yeah. And sometimes, like Steinbeck Mm -hmm. says, you you will find, oh, no, that's because I didn't need that there. That's why. Or, oh, I was missing a whole scene before that. That's why it didn't fit. Uh, the fifth tip is to beware of a scene that becomes too dear to you, uh, dearer than the rest. Uh, it was, it will usually be found that it is out of the drawing. So I think that's what they mean is don't fall in love with your writing too much because it, that's the thing you probably have to get rid of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and
1: that's when writers turn stubborn and they won't get rid of a scene because they love it. Yeah. Um, but it's just, that's may like not the fit.
0: F- the first scene of your first book.
1: Well, it's not the first scene in my first book anymore because I completely got rid of it. But I did have a couple of my my beta readers get really upset that I took that out (laughs) because they loved it as much as I did. So at least it wasn't just me. It did have to go. It didn't fit. And. Number six, if you are using dialogue, say it aloud as you write it. Only then will you have the sound of speech, which is probably why I said, you know, he got the accents so perfect. He's Mm. probably saying them so well. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure my next door neighbour thinks I'm crazy because sometimes I sit on my front veranda and talk to myself while I'm writing and that's (laughs) because I'm getting the dialogue perfect. So, yeah, say it out loud as you have it. Awesome. We'll put up a screenshot or something of his six tips. Oh,
0: good idea. Maybe a little graphic or something.
1: Yeah. So they were six tips by. John Steinbeck.
0: Yeah, excellent. Nice. All right, so six tips from John Steinbeck mm-hmm. on writing. Yes. Excellent. Thanks for sharing those with us, That's Ash. okay.
1: Ash. Thanks for, to the Instagram community for sharing it in the first place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Makes our job
1: easy. Exactly. Um,
0: okay, so I guess that brings us back around to accountability.
1: Yes, and I have been writing for one hour every day.
0: It's been really good.
1: Yeah, I've been so productive. So I'm really happy. So, yeah, one hour every day before I start work.
0: I've actually got to read more chapters too. So I'm excited.
1: <laughs> <These> <laughs> yeah, so ones. I'm doing it's really well. <laughs> I'm actually being really productive lately. So it's good. I'm happy.
0: Excellent. Sounds like you're being pretty productive, Ash.
1: I have. I've been really productive. I'm very happy.
0: That's really good. Mm. Okay. Um, well, let's just leave a writing prompt.
1: Yeah, it's a really fun one today. Yeah. Um, Go to Craigslist. There's actually a Craigslist in Australia. There is an Australian one. And go to the Missing Connections section. Find a missing connection and use that as your writing prompt. So the one I found was uh, Girl with a Curvy Bum. (laughs) So, you know, Missing Connections is when you've, like, seen someone on public transport or whatever and you want to find them. You think you, like, had a connection, you hit it off. So, yeah, go to Missing Connections on Craigslist and use that as your writing prompt. If
0: you're in America, go to Hidden Connections on Craigslist
1: craigslist but they're really funny even if it's just for the hilarity of it, they're great they yeah. used to have them on the
0: train there used to be a newspaper mx in yes. the train they used to have them there too it was always funny i always like read through it just in case someone i knew or myself was in there <laughs> i was always disappointed
1: i never read them i don't think it's maybe the men read them and the women don't. yeah
0: <laughs> it's always the men writing to women yeah. that, with the like weirdest way to approach a woman <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's good too. Writing prompt was to look at Craigslist and find those crazy- Missing connections. And use that as a
1: writing prompt, yeah. I like
0: it. And come up with some weird way that the connection worked. Yeah. Some parsing story.
1: All right. Well, uh, I think
0: we've pretty much covered everything, Ash. Hmm. So- As always, you can find us at our website, bookstashpodcast.com. You can get us on social media. We're Bookstashcast, all one word, on Instagram and Twitter. And you can search for us on Facebook by looking for The Bookstash. So until next time, keep reading, keep writing, and we'll see you soon.
1: We'll see you soon.